Hey everybody, welcome to Performance Anxiety. This week's show features Sean Dowdell. Now, Sean's a very successful entrepreneur. He's an innovator, an author. He's changed the face of body art with his renowned club tattoo. Before all that, he was a drummer for a band called Grey Days. The singer for Grey Days was the late Chester Bennington. You may remember him better from his time in Lincoln Park. Now, prior to his passing, Chester had announced the band's reformation. Now, to honor Chester, the band has decided to complete the project. This story is, is touching, sad, beautiful, and I'm so glad Sean was able to join me to, to tell this story. Please follow the band on social media to get album release information. You can check us out at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. And Sean, thank you again for joining me to tell the story of Grey Days. Hey, this is Sean Dowdell, the drummer for Grey Days, and you are listening to Performance Anxiety. I hope you guys like it. Let's, I want to kind of start from the the beginning, beginning with you. How did you get into music? Were Were you in a musical family or was it just something that you just struck out on your own and decided you wanted to play drums or... So a lot of my uh, family members were definitely uh, into music and my dad played guitar. My uncles all played drums and guitars and I didn't start learning drums until I just about turned 17 years old and then bought an old drum kit and just started jamming with some friends of mine who were, you know, local guys that, you know, they weren't very good musicians, but, (laughs) uh, you know, and neither was I, but, you know, we just started jamming together and started having fun and started writing. And that's really how I got into it was, I was my senior year of high school. Oh, okay. So so you kind of became professional pretty quickly then because looking up you started really working as a professional drummer at age 18 uh, yeah, i mean even at, at 17 i got into college when i was 17 and we started our first band at 17 and started playing oh, out okay. when i was 17 i think it was my first show so oh wow yeah so you started how long how, well how long after you started did you uh really work on the project that would become gray days um, maybe seven, eight months. So really? Wow. I got out of high school, basically practiced drums my whole summer, got into my freshman year of college, met Chester that year, and we started playing that year. So literally within a year of starting drums, we were in wow. a band and playing together. So the, the singer for, and, and it wasn't actually grade eight at the beginning, was it? It was No, it was SD and his friends, and we did that project for about a year. Okay. We did a three-song demo. You know, we played out some, we played out a good amount of shows, maybe 30 or 40 shows and uh, over that year's period of time. And, and uh, then we split up and became gray days. Okay. And, and uh, so Chester Bennington was the vocalist. How did you meet up with him? I was introduced to Chester through a guy we were playing guitar with. He didn't end up being in the band, but his name was Chris Hewlett. He said that his little brother, who was a drummer also, um, was playing with a kid who he said sounded really close to Eddie better. We should try him out for our band. So, uh, we said yes. And then Chris ended up having him come down a couple days later and, uh, auditioned. Oh man. And, and he, you guys did some Pearl Jam covers for the auditions. Is that right? Yeah. He came in, he sang on a live by Pearl Jam. Wow. Oh man. That's a, if, you know, if you're going to test somebody out, that's a good one to do it with. It wasn't he, and he nailed it. He was great. Uh, even at 15 years old, Chester was, he had oh. that raw talent for sure. At 15, jeez. So how long was the band together? I know you guys put out two albums independently, uh, well, right? We, we formed Grey Days in 93. We ended up breaking up uh, mid-98. So 
Okay. Um, I guess um, five years, but Chester and I played together for a little over six years. And we recorded three full-length albums. We only released two of them ah, okay. uh, in that time period. Okay. And those are all independent releases, like locally, or were they... So the two that we released were independent. The third one that we uh, did was with a record label that ended up going bankrupt oh. right as we were mixing the record. Literally, we were there mix in the studio mixing, and we're told their funding got pulled. Uh, so there is a whole other wow. album of Grey Days out there that nobody's ever heard, uh, oh, wow. including us. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. So, so, so you, uh, you don't have those masters? And is that with the other? I do not. The label wow. would not give them to us. Oh my gosh, geez. But we're working on getting them. Oh, well, that's good news. <laughs> because, and, and as we'll get to in, in a few minutes, uh, uh, Great Days is releasing a new album of the old material, and it's, it's incredible. So a third album would, would just be insane. But before we get too deep into that, I have a question, because you actually, in addition to being a musician, you started a luxury tattoo and piercing studio called Club Tattoo. And the, the main focus here is definitely gray dates, but I want to know a little bit more about that too. How did you start doing that? What was your first tattoo that you got? And then how did you, what was the first tattoo that you ever inked? So, all right, there's a few questions here. I'll start with, start from the, uh, the easy ones. When I was 16, I got a fake idea. I went and got my first tattoo of a skull on my shoulder. Okay. It was also one of the first tattoos that I ended up covering up when I got into the industry. <laughs> uh, in, and, and in 1995, uh, Great A's was hitting on all cylinders, and we were doing a lot of these little micro tours where we would go to L.A. and play for three or four days or go to San Diego and play for three or four days or Utah or Dallas or, or wherever. Cool. And we would do these little satellite tours, but the rest of us, you know, we had jobs. And when we came back from the tours, we had to pay our bills. So right. um, we kind of, Mace and I, the bass player, came up with this idea of opening up a tattoo shop so that when we were on the road, we could actually pay our bills. And so we did that. And uh, in the beginning, Chester, uh, you know, Chester lived with me at the time. He helped me uh, paint the studio and put in the tile and all that stuff. And wow. he was a big part of club tattoo when we opened, but he wasn't officially my business partner until 2003 after, uh, he released hybrid theory and was just doing Meteora at the time. I believe, uh, he called me and said, Hey, I'm actually doing really well financially. And I've always wanted to be part of club tattoo. Would you take me on as a partner? So I spoke to my wife about it and we ended up uh, becoming partners with Chester and we opened up our third store with him. Wow. And then, uh, up until the time Chester passed, he was our business partner and, uh, he was a great partner. He, he, um, had a lot of constructive, creative input. Uh, he helped with the, we did a clothing line together. We did oh, wow. a shoe line with Edney's. We did these really cool hair clippers with Oster and these cars, with bicycle. I mean, we did a lot of global stuff for, you know, what should have been just a kind of a regional, um, really nice tattoo studios. Uh, we ended up opening a total of seven studios in Las wow. Vegas and Arizona. We've got stores on the strip in Las Vegas inside the Venetian and, you know, Planet Hollywood and a link and the studios do very well. My wife and I run the company and that's club tattoo. That's fantastic. Now it's a luxury tattoo and, and piercing studio. What, what makes it luxury? What sets you guys apart? Uh, there's a lot of characteristics that set club tattoo apart. The first thing is the aesthetic of the environment. So we design really nice studios. You would think you're walking into a high end jewelry store or uh, a really cool hair salon or something like that. It just feels okay. different. Just the, the beauty and the build out. It's not, you know, folding chairs and stuff. It's all right. the mill work is all custom made. It's beautifully done. Wow. And, um, the, so the second thing is we carry a million dollars worth of high end gold and diamonds and platinum and titanium body jewelry. We carry the nicest body jewelry from any, all of the nice companies at all of our studios. All of the studios look the same. They're all at that elevated level. Of course, we have that best tattoo artist that we hire from the top and we bring in the best talent we possibly can get and we treat them very well. So we get a reputation for putting out the best tattoo work. Same with our piercers. We hire the best piercers. And then we have something that the last thing that um, would differentiate us or, or one of the last things that would differentiate us from the, the rest of the tattoo parlors, as you would normally know them as, right. is we invented something called interactive tattoo and we patented it. 
It's a okay. it's a software program that is a touchscreen based interface, so that when the clients come into the tattoo shops, they can touch these these touchscreen interfaces throughout all the tattoo shops and have access to hundreds of thousands of images oh, wow. and portfolios and font lettering and videos, and it's just a really cool thing. So it just looks completely different than any other tattoo shop you've ever seen. That's amazing. That I you know that's kind of stuff that I never would have thought of. That's really really groundbreaking. That's amazing. Thank you. And you know, it's really cool. Cause I get to work with my wife and, uh, you know, we got to work with Chester as uh, not just friends, but as, as business partners. And we did really well together. It was a lot of fun. So going back to the, the early days with the gray days, you guys did, like you're saying some mini tours and all what caused the dissolution of the band. So there were a lot of things. Um, the band was really at its peak when we broke up. Um, we were playing sold out shows. We had regional radio play. We yeah. were opening for bands like Bush and seven Mary three and no doubt. I mean, we were holding our own and yeah, yeah I think a lot of us got big egos, uh, myself included. Some of us got into addiction problems, um, and then started making bad decisions and taking the other band members for granted and started thinking that we were more important than the other band members. And, and we were all to blame really. Um, but then we had one, we had one, one last show. We had signed a demo deal with Warner Brothers that we were supposed to go in the studio the following weekend and knock out four tracks for them. And we had a little tune-up show at one of our favorite local places called the Big Fish Pub. And then the band, we ended up, we had a big fight uh, over some just stupid things um, uh, involving Mace, the bass player, myself, Bobby, and Chester. And then we ended up screaming at each other out in back of the of the venue. And basically we all told each other to F off and we all went our separate ways and we just couldn't repair it. You know, we tried for a couple days and, you know, Chester was really hurt. I was really pissed off. Mace was kind of oblivious and Bobby, uh, Bobby would just, uh, he he didn't, didn't really want to do it. I think, you know, there was just a lot of hurt feelings. Okay. Okay. And then, so Chester obviously went on to join Lincoln park well, so we had we had the machine plugged in. We had the attorneys and the agents and all that stuff. So yeah. when they heard that we broke up and, you know, we had just they had high hopes for this little demo deal we were doing, they started shopping Chester individually into these projects that they oh, thought wow. were um, reasonable out in L.A. So our attorney, Scott Harrington, really great guy. He's really the guy that's responsible for getting Chester and Lincoln Park because he knew the ch- he was with us for a couple of years as our attorney. He helped us with our record deals and all these things. So Scott took Chester and had him try out and do a demo for the, the they were called Zero at the time. Right, right. And then uh, I think Chester drove out there and did a physical audition, and then uh, then, the, then they joined forces. At that point, did you have any desire to continue with music, or were you more focused on doing yeah. the tattoo studio? No, I did. I actually, I, I formed another band called Waterface, and we ended up doing a deal with EMI. Um, our albums came out the same week as Lincoln Park, Hybrid oh, wow. Theory. Um, but I ended up leaving my group. Uh, you know, there's some some dysfunctional things with the people that I had ended up joining with, and I was in a great band with Great Days, and I saw the writing on the wall that the, the the new band I had joined, the, the guys just did not want to work that hard. And Great Days, we worked our asses off, and still didn't uh, get to the point where we thought. So I I left the group. But uh, you know, at that time, I was not speaking with Chester. And uh, I was still very proud of him. You know, a lot of people ask me, oh, are you upset that he made it? I'm like, are you kidding? No, I'm super happy he made it yeah. because I'm not that type of guy. Like, I was ecstatic. Even though he and I weren't talking, we, we, we essentially weren't friends at the time. Uh, but I was still very proud of him for, for getting to where we both dreamed of going. Yeah, and it, you know, it's, I think that's, that's fantastic that you can actually look beyond, even at that time, you know, you can look beyond the... Looking back, it's probably something petty that that, and, and you see the uh, the success. Plus, you know, you you also had the the tattoo studio to work with, and and that blew up for you. I mean, that was that was a, a wonderful thing for you to be able to do too. 
Oh yeah, no, I, I look. I have no shortage of things to do. Uh, I own the recording <laughs> studio. I, you know, we had our tattoo shop, so we have clothing company. There's plenty for me to do, but I do have passion in music, and I loved playing with 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 Great Ace. And uh, you know, when Chester uh, and I reunited, and I want to say it was 2001 or 2002. I think it was 2002 when our original guitar player Bobby was diagnosed with brain cancer. Chester was the one to call me and oh, said, wow. "Hey." I miss you. I'm sorry that we haven't talked. You are my best friend. We need, we need to make this right. And I apologize too. I said, I'm sorry for the way things went down. You know, I love you. And, and, and then from that moment on, it was like, we're inseparable again. We started hanging out and I started going out on the road with him and all that. But, um, you know, he was always a very compassionate guy, very giving guy. And he never wanted confrontation with anybody. You know, he was just a good guy. And he ended up, just before the time where you guys started talking about a great age reunion, he was fronting stone temple pilots at that point. Yes, sir. When, when did you guys start talking about doing a great age reunion? Was it before the stone temple pilots or during? Yeah. So I knew that Chester wanted to put great age back together three different times. So the first time was in 2002. Uh, we actually did put great A's back together right um, after hybrid theory. I think he was either had just finished recording media or, or was about to go in and finish. I can't remember, but we actually put great A's back together and we're going to do a big reunion show and benefit oh, wow. for Bobby. And then uh, the folks over at Warner brothers and Chester's management said, no, we don't uh, like this. This is, this is a competitive thing for Lincoln park. And, and we don't want to, I don't think it was the guys in Lincoln park, but it was definitely his management at the time. And the, and the record label, they did not want him to be, uh, taking his eye off the, off the ball. That was so big at the time. And I understood it. I was upset, but I understood it. And then we played, um, we played a couple little side bands throughout his career. We played a little thing called bucket of weenies that some people know about. And, <laughs> That's you know, that was an kind awesome of name. the precursor to his dead by sunrise project. Oh, okay. And then, um, you know, in 2007, we talked about doing Grady's again, but uh, right around that time, he was going to have the twins. Uh, I had hurt my back, so we just put that on pause. And then um, in two, 2016, we got on the phone. He was out. Uh, I, I think he had just finished the One More Light album recording, or he was just going out on the road. I think he might have been out on the road. And he called me from the road, and uh, we, we used to do these big parties, these club tattoo anniversary parties. Okay. And we would draw thousands of people. It was a, it was a big event. Oh, wow. And we hadn't thrown one in a couple of years because they're very expensive. They take about a year to plan. I mean, they're a big oh, deal, wow. right? But every year, Chester and I would get up on stage and we'd bring our all-star rock star friends. You know, um, you know we'd have Alien Ant Farm play or oh, Jada cool. Pinkett Smith or, or Z Trip or uh, wow. um, Story of the Year. We had uh, Mike Shinoda play with us one year with Fort Minor. So, oh, cool. uh, and then Chester and I would get up and we'd headline the show. And we'd have our all-star friends, and uh, it was a big deal. So we started talking about, hey, we haven't done one of those parties in a while. It's time we do one. And he says, you know, I've been thinking about that. And the next time we do this, we should put Great A's back together for the show. Instead of doing a cover band, we should do Great A's. And I said, wow, that's really cool. And, you know, I'm on board, you know, that because we had talked about it several times. And so we started working through the logistics of how we were going to do that with his schedule, with my schedule. And how we were going to work through rehearsals. And then, so we settled on, um, initially we we're going to do it mid July, but then we settled on, um, late September. I think it was September 20th or September 23rd, something like that was the reunion date. But as we started working through over the next few weeks, uh, the logistics of putting this show together and doing all this stuff, he says, you know, we have this catalog of music. If we just went back and re-recorded these songs, these are good songs we can put them out and see what happens. And so we agreed to do that. We started working on three of the tracks together. So we went back in the studio while he was out on the road and started rewriting some of the parts and, and working with a producer. And then we started emailing him back and forth. Okay. And he'd say, yeah. And then we, and then after a couple of times in the studio, we just kind of had this conversation. We're like, you know what, instead of just retracking this stuff the way it was, we need to kind of modernize it. Let's make it a little bit more relevant for today's music so that, and he said, so that my fans can digest it a little bit easier, that it doesn't sound dated. Oh, yeah, so yeah. that's really how the idea of going back and redoing these songs in a different light was was started. Okay. And, uh, you know, we were supposed to rehearse, um, I want to say it was two or three days after Chester actually um, took his life in July. And so obviously, Great A's got put on pause. And, yeah. you know, we didn't revisit it for months. So obviously, you know, 
after the grief of, uh, you know, I'm sure you felt for, for his family and for losing your best friend. Uh, I'm sure the thoughts eventually kind of turned back to the reunion because Chester had announced it um, through social media and all. And what were your feelings at that point? What, did you think it was done for good? Did you even want to approach it after that? Well, I didn't want to approach it in a way like we were going to continue the band without him. That right. was not even something that went into my mind. But it did after his funeral, after I came back from L.A., it dug at me and ate at my soul every single day for oh, wow. about six to seven months. And wow. then I finally woke up one day and told my wife, I said, I just want to finish the record. And we're very successful business people. And, uh, we were just going to pay for it ourselves. And so I went back, I talked to the band, uh, I talked to Kristen and I talked to Mace and I said, Hey guys, I want to finish the record. What do you guys think? And they said, yes. So then I hopped on a plane. I went out to LA and I sat down with Talinda and, told her what I wanted to do. And she said, look, you were Chester's best friend. You've always had his best interest in, in heart and I trust you implicitly. So do what you got to do. Just make sure it's good. And I said, That's okay. Wonderful. Man. And that is so wonderful. once I got her buy-in and, uh, you know, I called Chester's dad and told him what I was doing. I called Chester's mom, told her what I was doing and they both gave me their blessing. They love me and they know that, uh, I love their son very much and that I would never do uh, anything to harm him. So, so, so how did you approach it at that point? Because you guys were working on uh, three songs, re-recording re the music, but he, uh, my understanding is that Chester hadn't had a chance to re-record any of the vocals. Yeah, he did, and we didn't get that far. So what we did was we started over. Um, okay. We, we started talking to several producers. Eventually, we hired five. Um, wow. But we started talking with two producers in particular at the beginning, and we sat down with him and we basically stripped the music down literally to just his vocal track. Okay. And we listened to his vocal track over and over. And then we worked on the arrangement of the vocal track and the choruses and just placing things into where it sounded good by itself. And then we said, all right, let's write the whole song around this. Wow. And we literally wrote every single song around his vocal track so that his vocals were the primary focus. And like, you're not going to hear any crazy drum solos or guitar solos all over the place. It's literally every song is keeping the, the emotional integrity that was meant to be there from the beginning. You know, I didn't even realize that until you just said it, there, there aren't any guitar solos or anything like that. You, obviously you don't need them because I didn't even think of that until you said <laughs> you mentioned yeah, it. So. There, there is one guitar solo. So there's two songs on the album that sound almost, I mean, really, really close to the original sometimes. And what's in the eye. Those two tracks sound almost identical. I'm going to say identical, but really, really close to the originals. Right. The rest of the nine tracks, completely different. Literally, we from the ground up, those things were rewritten. So, yeah, wow. you're not going to see any flashy stuff that doesn't focus around Chester's vocals. Now, did you have an idea of the songs that you were going, even when, you know, before uh, Chester had passed, did you have an idea of the songs that you were going to be on this, on the new version of the album? Um, or did you have to do that so, afterwards? Well, that's a great question. We started with 17 songs. We have about 30 tracks. Uh, we whittled those down to 22 usable tracks that we wanted to, to try. Okay. Then we decided to work on 17 of them. So we wrote 17 of these tracks and we worked them down to 15 and then eventually we worked them down to 11. Wow. Okay. Okay. And so, so a lot of this and really how we, I'm going to, I'm going to finish one. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah. So how we decided on the 11 was as we had these things in a group, we realized that 11 of them really had this kind of common thread of emotion through the whole, through all of them. And they just felt like a group. Yeah. And then there were these other ones that didn't feel like that. You know what I mean? Okay. So we're like, you know what? Those ones will be on the next record. This is this record. Okay. Oh, well that makes sense. It's, were there any challenges to writing, new music and then using vocals that were recorded over 20 years ago, like technical issues, uh, yeah, digital was, to, to uh -huh. analog. 
150 challenges per <laughs> song. I mean, you know, it took us two and a half years to get this done. This was not done in two months or three months or, or six. It was done over two and a half years. Jeez. Some of these songs were rewritten three and four times and then eventually even thrown away. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, there was a ton of challenges. But, you know, we approached every single song with making sure that we kept his vocals intact and we kept the integrity of the initial intent there. So it may not sound exactly like the same song that you knew back in the 90s, yeah. but the same vibe, the same energy, and the same motive is there. So as you're doing this, is it hard when you're stripping everything away and, and listening to the vocals? Because some of the, the, the lyrics are pretty dark. Was it really oh, man, hard? The first couple of months, the first couple of months as we were working on this stuff, and it was just him stripped down by himself, there were a lot of tears. Yeah. Because that's it's heavy. It, those lyrics are heavy, yeah. and his emotional intensity on some of these songs. I mean, he believes every single word he's saying in these songs. He's not mailing it in, and it's certainly not pop music. You know, it's this it's guy. Sure. I mean, he believed the mood he was feeling when we wrote this stuff, and it comes through very clearly. I think the listeners, if anything, they're going to know that this music is believable. If anything, oh yeah, and it and. Like you're saying, you know, there's no guitar solos. There's there's no added extras like like in Lincoln Park with there's the DJs, the scratching and and stuff. It's really a lot more straightforward rock. Straight well, I don't want to take away anything those guys did. I'm oh not no, no, them any, in any way, no, but, no, no. Uh, but it's a completely different animal, is what I'm saying. It's, yeah, it's, it, well, it's meant to be a different animal. And people keep saying, well, why didn't you work with Lincoln Park on this? It's like because this isn't Lincoln Park. This is Grey Days. This exactly. is about Chester. So, um, and it's no diss to those guys. The guys are very nice. They, they treat us very, very nice. I saw them at Talinda's wedding. I, you know, they, they, I don't have anything negative to say, but oh, no, what no, I will no. say is this. Chester wanted a different creative outlet than Linkin Park. That's why he did things like Dead by Sunrise and Stone Temple Pilots. And it was no diss to those guys. He was just a creative guy. He did a lot of things. Yeah. And that was the way he liked to express himself. So. It was no surprise to me that he told me. I knew something was going to come up the turnpike when he left Stone Temple Pilots. I was with him the night he left the group, and I understood why he left it. He just felt like he was getting crushed from all sides. His time management was was really difficult, and uh, he just felt like he had no choice. And I knew the moment he left that group that he he loved those guys. Yeah. He loved working with them. I knew he was going to do something. I didn't know it was going to be with me, but I knew he wanted to do something. He just needed a different creative outlook. And when we were on the phone talking in October of 2016, he said, I want a rock band of my own. I miss playing with you. Yeah. So to me, you know, it was self-evident the whole time that this was going to happen for me. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're that creative of a guy, you know, Stone Temple Pilots is a great band, but it's not your band. So it's, well, I'll tell you this. Um, so when he initially told me, I don't know, it was, I want to say it was like 2012 or 13. He told me it was a year before they made an announcement that he was going to do this, um, that they had asked him to join the band. Oh, wow. And I just laughed. I said, when are you going to, when do you start? He goes, well, how do you know I'm even going to do it? I said, That's <laughs> what, it was his favorite band growing up. So it would, you know, it'd be like if Depeche Mode asked me to play drums for them, yeah. I would drop everything I'm doing to go do that. Right. <laughs> um, so I knew I said, you don't have a choice. It's your favorite band. Of course you're going to go do this. So even though it may not have been his band, I think that was something very special for him to go do. It was a dream gig. It was a dream gig. He, he just, he loved those songs and he loved those guys as human beings. And he really enjoyed playing with SDP. That's fantastic. That's, and from all accounts, and I, I was never able to, to catch any of the shows, unfortunately, but from all accounts, he was amazing. So, yeah, he did great. I saw him a few times, and, and the guys were really nice. Robert, the bass player, is a super nice guy. Dean's a great guy. And even when Chester left the band, you know, he was instrumental in helping them find a replacement singer because he oh, really cared about them as human beings. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's Chester helped facilitate. I, I believe the new guy's name is Jeff. Okay. Uh, and, uh, I believe a mutual friend of ours named Renee Mata, who, uh, who was instrumental in our record um, as well. I think he's the one that got Jeff to, to join uh, STP. Oh, cool. Okay. So you, I believe I could, I could have my facts wrong, but I, th I think that's the way it went down. So you guys do have a really good connection with him then. So that's, that's awesome. Now, yeah. Back to the album, you've got, you have a lot of, uh, of people helping you out on the album, like uh, members of corn helmet, uh, P.O.D. and, and uh, Chester's son is even on the album. 
Yeah. How did all that come about? Um, well, which one do you want me to talk about? Let's let's see. <laughs> let's first. Okay. Well, let's let's start off with um, the bands because we'll we'll touch on his son all by himself, all by itself because to okay. me that that's that's just special and needs. I, I've got a son of my own. That's 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 a special thing that needs its own time. Um, okay. Are you are you friends with the, all these guys of Corn Helmet and and Pod and how did that all come so, about? Yeah. So I am friends with Brian and Monkey. Uh, I, I saw those guys at uh, the Lincoln Park Tribute concert in LA. I want to say October of seventeen. Okay. Uh, and Brian and I just started talking, and then we, you know, we 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 talked a few months later. Uh, maybe oh man, maybe February I think ish. Okay. And we were talking on the phone and told him what I was doing. He's like, "Oh wow, that's really cool." I said, "Would you give me your honest opinion?" And he said, "Of course." So I dropboxed him a, a, a track and he calls me and he's like, dude, this is incredible. What is this? And so I went through the whole project and I explained, yeah. and as we're talking, I'm like, would you want to play on this track? And he absolutely. So he and monkey uh, came out they play on a track called B12 together, which is an interesting and track. They right. Did a, did a bunch of work on it. And they just showed up as just the ultimate freaking professionals. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, the idea was that these guys were instrumental, um, for Chester. They treated Chester really well early on and Chester loved those guys. Okay. And for us, it was an easy plug-in cause he never got to record with those guys. He definitely would have wanted to play with those guys and they loved him and they respected him. So it was a very easy marriage. Like, they just got it, and they thought the music was good. I don't think they would have done it if they thought the music wasn't good, but um, oh, yeah, yeah. they just they really admired and loved Chester, and they showed up with the right emotions and intent. And uh, so once once we had them come in and play on B12, then we had several other people come in with the same intentions. So we had um, Marcos Curiel play uh, What's in the Eye. from P.O.D.B. We had Paige Hamilton on Sickness, who's oh, from Helmet. Love Paige Hamilton. We had, uh, yeah, Paige is a nice guy. And uh, we had uh, LP sing a duet with him on a song called Shouting Out. We had uh, Jason Rouch from Breaking Benjamin and Head from Corn playing a song called She Shines Together. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and it's good. That song's yeah. a really cool song. Um, and uh, then we had Ryan Shuck playing a song called In Time. And then... Uh, they're all, as soon as we just asked these people, they said, absolutely. When do you want us there? I mean, it was really cool. You know, working with uh, somebody singing with Chester, that was cool. LP did a really good job. And I think the fans are going to absolutely love the song we did with her. Now, how did you get Chester's son involved? That was that, so, that had to be, I mean, it was, was about touchy? our second or third trip out to NRG in LA. And something just hit me like a lightning bolt. I was like, you know what? We can give something back to Chester we can bring his kids in here and let him sing with his kids. Cause he never got to do that when he was alive oh, wow. and he would have loved that idea. I know he would have, he would have loved it. So I reached out to all the children, not just Jamie. I reached out to little kids, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Tyler, Lily, Lila, and Talinda thought that the three of them were a little too young. It was a little too fresh. And I totally respected that. I said, you know what? I get it. I just want to make sure that I put the invite out there. Right. Right. I did the same thing with, uh, with Draven. We called Draven and asked him if he wanted to, and he was a little apprehensive, which I totally understand. Yep. Uh, but we think he'll probably want to step up and do something on the next record. And then when I called Jamie, Jamie said, absolutely. When do you want me there? So that's awesome. Um, we gave him his choice of two songs and uh, we brought him in. He sings on a song called soul song and uh, he does an amazing job. You know who I just forgot uh, on our guest. Um, so let me, I'll wrap up the Jamie conversation yeah. real quick. So Jamie came in, he was wearing one of his dad's shirts, which was kind of cool. Oh, we, wow. we, we actually got the microphone that Chester sang the hybrid theory album on. Oh my and we let gosh. him sing, sing through that. And it was a very special moment. I think we made Chester very happy. I could feel him and feel his energy throughout that whole, whole day. And I think Jamie got something out of that as well. So it was pretty cool. That's in, that's an incredible story. 
I, that's you. that's some amazing detail to go and in the same mics and wearing this shirt. That's oh my god! That's, that's we did our we did our homework and we did our job and I, I you know everything about this album was really well thought through and done with the right intentions. But another guest that I, I wanted to bring up uh, mm-hmm. because it was so important in this whole thing was Chris Trainer from Bush. He plays on four different tracks. Oh wow! Okay. And he's kind of become like the fifth member of the band. He re- he really is. Uh, He's been instrumental in a lot of these songs and all of these people that we're talking about that were guests were brought in through Chester and I's mutual friend named Renee. And he manages bands and and producers out of New York. And he, he, he was instrumental in making a lot of these things happen. Uh, Two questions about the album. I guess the first is on the song shouting out, it ends with a message from Chester. So can you tell me a little bit about that and where did that come from? So as we were writing that song, we were working with a producer named Cass Dillon, who is awesome. And once again, Renee's name is going to pop up. So we were sharing stories in the studio and Renee said, yeah, this is the last voicemail I have from Chester. And he played it. And we're like, wow, that's great. Yeah. And Cass floated in the track and it ended. We're like, this is, we're like, this is going to end the record. This, this is a perfect way to end this record. It's a great message. It's so powerful. Um, we just it really is. It, it's I mean, it really special. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really emotional way to, to end. It's almost like a, it's a, it's a heart wrenching album. It really is. And it's, it's, Thank you. It, it's an incredibly powerful way to end it. it it's it, you guys just nailed it on that. That was amazing. Thank you. And how did you, pick uh loma vista as the uh, record company to release this i'm sure you guys had your choice of uh, of a lot of labels we did actually you know the initial intent was just to self-release it i was just oh, gonna really? fund it and put it out on my own I, wow. I didn't really think about record labels at the time and then about halfway third way through the process we started getting phone calls uh you know we are in a pretty famous recording studio with a lot of very famous people hanging out all the time so sure. as people were coming in and out they started hearing snippets of what we were doing next thing you know we started getting people calling Renee saying how do we get in with these guys how do we meet them so Renee set up a little showcase we met with Big 5 you know right. and uh and then Tom was one of the last ones we met with and we had you know a couple labels throw very very large numbers out and we declined the offers because they didn't understand what we were trying to do. They wanted to just go out and make a bunch of money and they weren't like putting the music and what this whole thing was about first. And then literally the first five minutes I spent with Tom Wally, I knew he was the right guy. Oh really? Uh, Yeah. I, I knew it because he says, Oh, that's really cool. And he didn't say anything. He's got a great poker face. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, well, will you give me some feedback? He says, are you sure you want my feedback? And I said, yeah, I respect you. I know Chester really respected you. You know, he was a CEO or, or head of Warner Brothers or something for many years while he, Chester was over there. And, yeah. and I said, Chester always spoke very highly of you. And I know you have a reputation for being very stern, but at the same time, I respect you. I want to know what you have to say. And he says, well, what you're doing is really cool. But if I'm going to work with you guys, it needs to be great. And there's a few changes we need to make if it's going to be great. And he went through those changes and I sat down, I said, and he said, and we have to keep the integrity of this entire thing the whole way. It's got to be for the right reason. It can't be a money grab. It can't be this. And I said, you get it. Like he gets it. So, um, right away. I mean, he wasn't talking about putting Chester's face on pencil erasers and crap. Like, you know, it, it wasn't just like how, how, how many things can we go out and do? It was really about, making this music great. And he actually, you know, I understood some of the frustration because Ch- I, I, Chester shared a few stories with me about Tom while he was alive uh, yeah. about being frustrated with him. <laughs> and as Chester would tell me that there was two specific stories and I can't get into the whole story to take too long, but I remember two specific stories he told me about Tom Okay, where Chester was going off and he just looked at me and he said, well, what do you think? And I said, I think he's right. You should listen to this guy. And he was all for us. He was pissed <laughs> off. He didn't want to hear the answer. He wanted me to tell him. But I was that guy for Chester. I could tell him the truth. Yeah. Ian Chester knew it was the truth. He, even if he didn't like it, he was going to get me telling him what it was that, you know, he needed to hear. Maybe not what he wanted to hear, but right. he needed to hear. So I knew that about Tom going into the relationship. So 
um, Tom pressed us and made us go back on, you know, the song. Sometimes we had to go back in five or six times to, to make it to the point. And, and, and he was right. And the whole time I'm going, God, I don't, I don't hear what you're hearing, but okay. Yeah. And we go back and, and we do it again. We do it. And we finally got it. He's like, this is what I'm talking about. And we, and we finally got it to where it was supposed to be. And, you know, it may have been minor things, but he, he's very passionate about music. And the guy really understands it and wanted to make sure no matter what we did, if it was super successful or not successful, either way, it was something we were all proud of at the yeah. end of the day. And, and I think we did that. Yeah, I mean, he didn't get to where he's at by accident. So, you know, having him on your side, I'm sure it, it was just an enormous help to you guys in, in, in pushing you farther than you maybe you thought you could go with this thing. Yeah, and I, I think we're at the, just the beginning right now. I think this is going to be an absolutely huge record. I really do. Um, you know, obviously I'm biased, but <laughs> I can't get past the emotional intensity in Chester's voice. I just, oh. it's there. It, it is. And I'm, and I'll tell you, I'm listening to it as many times as I have the tracks that really stand out. And I, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this one correct, but, but I, this guy. yes, <laughs> I love that song. I'll save you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, just like heroin, uh, soul song, uh, B12, which is that that's, that stands out as just because it's so different from everything else. And I'm sure you've heard this a billion times. I get a little bit of we didn't start the fire vibe out of that one. Well, we used to tease him about that. Actually. <laughs> we used to, you know, that was back in the nineties when we wrote that. And we we okay, Billy Joel, yeah. we were trying to bust his balls a little bit. <laughs> but once again, he finds a really different way. I can't think of another song that sounds like that song. No, it just sounds so different. You yeah. know, even within that album, it's different. It's, yeah, and, and that this album is different. So it's that song really stands out for me um and some of the proceeds of this are going to benefit uh chester uh talinda's 320 changes direction and uh also it's going to some of the the proceeds have also been allocated for their kids can you tell me a little bit about uh 320 changes so I am not on the board of, of that organization, but it is something that Talinda is very passionate about, and we support her 100%. Uh, we're supporting her event here uh, in April in L.A., and uh, it's something that I think she was, you know, after Chester passed, I think she was trying to find some way to get something positive out of the events that transpired and not constantly talk about the negative of what happened. So for her, I think it's an outlet to give back to, uh, to the people that are suffering from, you know, from mental, uh, uh, from depression and, mm -hmm. and, um, mental anxiety and things of those na of that nature. But, uh, for her, I think it's a passion project that we are her to get back and wait for her to find meaning in, in the events that transpired for us, as far as making sure the kids, um, were taken care of, you know, I've always taken that protective role with Chester. So the very first thing after he passed, I was out in LA with Talinda right away. Like, how can I help you guys? Yeah. Let's, let's let, you know, make sure your finances are okay. Let's make sure the kids are, okay. I mean, th that's just my nature. So, um, when we started this project, the first thing we did was carve a big chunk for all the kids and then everybody else got what, the, what was there. So, um, but the kids are definitely involved and, and made sure, you know, that's something I can do and give back to my friend, even though he's gone, you know, um, now I got his back. So that's just the way we work. I have two questions about the band itself actually, right now. Um, yeah. The name Gray Days and the album name Amends. Is there anything, be what's behind both of those? So Gray Days was uh, our second choice okay. of the band name. Our first band name was called Lovely's Bleeding. But, uh, you know, it was kind of really early in the internet days. And I think our bass player, Jonathan, told us that there was another band called Lovely's Bleeding. And we had to really? change the name. So we had a list of names. I remember sitting in our rehearsal studio and we went down the list and said, how about this one? And, you know, we crossed that off and crossed that off. And we finally got to Great A's. And uh, Chester picked the name and, and we all agreed with, with hey, that's a cool name. Let's let's pick that. So okay. that's how Great A's name was formed. And then Moray Sky um, it has a lyric in the chorus and Chester and I wrote that song together, uh, sitting on a beach, watching a sunset in Mexico. 
And the chorus says, if I had a second chance, I'd make amends. And throughout this entire process, it became a healing process for us. And it became a much deeper project than we, I think, even realized it was going to be. And we all kind of feel, we don't all kind of feel, we all feel that if Chester were have to woken up, let's say the day after he did what he did, that he had been very sorry. And I think that he regretted it from the moment he did that. Yeah. So the lyric, if I had a second chance, I'd make amends seemed so fitting to the circumstances that had passed. And it was actually our guitar player, Kristen Davis's idea. He said, you know, how, what do you think about the name making amends? Uh, straight from the lyric. And I said, I love it. And then as, as the time went on, so that was the working title for a couple months. And then time went on, we just, we settled on the word amends because just that word carries so much meaning for the events that transpired. Right. And I think the fans are going to get it right away. Yeah. I I, I agree. Now, obviously there's, you know, there's, there isn't going to be any touring or anything as far as I can, as far as I understand it. Um, What are the plans for the album once it's released uh, to support it and get the word out? Wow, that's a loaded question. So, um, you know, yeah, I get the question, are we going to play live? Yeah. You have to understand the whole idea of finishing this record was that I could finish something with my friend. Right. Mace, Kristen, and myself, we all wanted to finish this with our friend. It would feel a bit disingenuous if we were to spend two or three years finishing this record for and with and by Chester only to say, now that it's done, here's the new singer. Right. That doesn't feel right. Um, now, that being said, we would be open to doing maybe like a tribute show where we'd have several guest singers come and actually sing his parts, but it would be in a tribute fashion. It would be by and for Chester. Right. It would be about Chester. It would not be to replace Chester. That's not something I have any interest in doing. Right. Um, as far as supporting the record, you know, I'm, this is one way I'm doing it is, is we're going out there. We're doing as many interviews as we can so people can understand the intent behind the record and the project. Uh, because we do have, you know, there's a few people out there like, oh, you guys are just trying to make a bunch of money. Right. I got news for you. I was very wealthy before I started this project. Yep. I put my own money into this project. I'm not trying to make a buck here. If I would have right. done that, I would have just sold it to so-and-so, and they could have given us a big check, and I could have walked away. It's not what this is about. So for those people... You know, they can suck it. Exactly. They don't get it. They don't get it. And you know? you're free to say whatever you want on this show. <laughs> oh, so, so those people that think that way can fuck themselves because they don't you know go. me. They don't know Chester. And I guarantee you, if Chester was sitting next to me, he would tell them to go fuck themselves because they don't know what the intention is behind this project. They don't know the love that we shared between each other. They didn't know this man for 30 years like I did. Yeah. Um, so it's not about trying to just make a fast buck. It's about trying to... Um, maintain this man's legacy as somebody who was so important in my life and so many other people's lives as well. This man touched a lot of people that he never even met. Millions. This man means so much to people who never even got to shake his hand, but they carry this this thing uh, for him that they feel like they, they, they have a part of him, that he's a part of them. And we're trying to make good on that. And, and I know we're not Lincoln Park. We're not trying to be Lincoln Park. We're great A's. And Chester was a great man in his own right. He wasn't just the singer for Lincoln Park. Right. He was a great person. He was a great friend. He was a great dad. And he was a great singer in several bands, by the way. Not oh, just yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, going back to the original great A's time for period, thinking back to those little mini tours and all, what is the best memory you've got of those times? Is there something that, that, that makes you smile, uh, a great story that you can share about Chester on tour? I have, I have great stories. Uh, there's, there's not just one moment. There's a hundred. I mean, the, you know, the, the, one of the coolest moments was when we headlined the whiskey one night. That was a great moment. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, we played uh, Edge Fest a few times out in Arizona. It was a huge festival opening for Bush at the Super Bowl party. That was a big, that was a big wow. deal. That's awesome. Uh, opening, opening for no doubt at, you know, the, the Nile, that was a big deal. Um, so there's a lot of shows that stood out. We played, um, what now people would know it as, um, auction pavilion, but back in the day it was called desert sky pavilion. You know, we, we got to play some great shows, but probably the, the funnest shows were what shows where we were the headliner, where we sold it out. 
and we had 1500 2000 fans that were going crazy wow. and they loved the music and they were true fans and just loved the band. Those were great moments. And I shared a lot of great times on stage with him, but you know, writing songs with the band was a lot of fun. We just had a lot of fun together. We really were like a band of brothers. That's fantastic. Now the album comes out in April. Uh, where can fans find it? Uh, where uh, do you have social media accounts that where people can get more info websites? Yeah, so you can go to uh, com uh, is the official website. You can go to Official Grade A's on Instagram, and you can go to The Real Grade A's on Twitter or Grade A's on Facebook. Uh, back to your point on amends releasing April 10th. So due to this whole world crash thing that's going on right yeah, now, yes, uh, we think it's going to be postponed maybe a month or two. We'll have an official announcement on that. It's nothing on our side, but you know it's the distribution side and things. You know, It's the whole distribution chain situation that's in, engulfing the world right now. So well, yeah, we'll have sense. an update very soon. We'll have an announcement, but uh, album still, it's, it looks amazing. We did a great job with the packaging. I think the fans are really, truly going to re- be very happy with it when they get it. Well, the music is amazing. I've seen some of the artwork. That's incredible. And thank you. The job you guys did on it is really a tribute. It, it can really feel the, the love in the album, in the artwork, the, the care that you guys took. And uh, it really blew me away when I saw it and, and I, I started learning more about it. It's, it's, I don't know that I could have done what you, you did every, with everything that it entailed. It was, it's, I'm sure it was an incredibly emotional project and I'm not sure that I could have done it. So my, my hat's off to all you guys. It's just, it's, it's, and it's a great job. It's an amazing album. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you so much. I've, I've kept you a while tonight. Thank you so much for spending so much time and, and really explaining how the album came about and, and everything about Grey Days. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.